0: When schools, classes, private lessons, and meetings for work all went online just about a year ago, whether it was Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, or some other platform, I think Zoom anxiety was perhaps our first reaction to all the changes we had to adjust to. Because whether it was laggy connections, getting our camera and audio to work right, trying to figure out how to use a second camera for lessons, or filling around with advanced settings to make music sound a little better, Learning how to teach and learn and engage with others through video conferencing overnight made for a pretty stressful time. At some point, though, I think we began to adjust and get more comfortable. And then the term Zoom fatigue began to appear, which refers to the tiredness, exhaustion, and feelings of burnout that many have described experiencing after video calls. So, is this really a thing? And if so, what is it about staring at a screen of faces in tiny rectangles that causes us to be so fatigued? And is there anything we can do to make this less exhausting? Researchers are only just beginning to look at this phenomenon, so there isn't a ton of data quite yet, but a theoretical paper did come out recently, which not only proposed four reasons for why Zoom fatigue happens, but offers a couple suggestions on how to make a long day of video chatting a little less draining as well. Jeremy Bailenson is a cognitive psychologist who studies the psychology of virtual and augmented reality and founded Stanford University's Virtual Human Interaction Lab. Drawing from research in related areas, he recently published a paper suggesting that there are four factors that might explain Zoom fatigue. Eye gaze, cognitive load, self-evaluation, and physical constraints. So first, eye gaze. You know how direct eye contact can be kind of uncomfortable, especially if it's too direct and it goes on for too long? Well, a 1965 study found that there seems to be a relationship between eye contact and physical proximity, where the closer someone is to you, the less eye contact you tend to make. It's that awkward elevator or crowded bus or subway effect, where you tend to compensate for having to stand so unnaturally close to other people by looking down and minimizing eye contact because making and maintaining heavy eye contact in situations like this feels pretty weird and uncomfortable. But in online video calls, the face staring back at us on our screen often appears to be closer to us than it would be in real life, kind of like having to engage with a close talker, which you can look up on YouTube if you don't remember that particular Seinfeld episode. So going back to eye gaze, it depends on the size of your screen and the size of your Zoom or Skype or FaceTime window, but if you take a ruler and measure how big the face is that's staring back at you on your laptop, you'll probably find that in order for someone's face to appear that size in the real world, you'd have to be pretty darn close to them. On Balenson's laptop, for instance, he found that a person's face was about 13 centimeters or 5 inches from top to bottom, which may not seem all that big, but if you were to take a ruler and measure how big someone's head looks to you in real life, you'd have to get a lot closer to that person than you'd think. To be specific, your faces would only be about 50 centimeters or 1 foot and 8 inches away from each other, which is a lot closer than you'd typically be to someone that wasn't a close family member or loved one. Balenson cites some work on personal space, for instance, which found that for most of us, space of less than 60 centimeters or 2 feet would be considered intimate. And even in group chats, the sizes of the faces on the screen are often still bigger than they'd be in a real-life classroom or conference room. Plus, in a normal classroom or meeting setting, unless you're the speaker, you typically just see the backs or sides of everyone's heads. But in a group video chat, we see a bunch of other people staring back at us. And even though they may not actually be looking at us, it can still feel like all eyes are on us. And then there's cognitive load, or the idea that communicating via video chat takes more work. If you're speaking, audio and video can be laggy, so you have to wait a few seconds to see what the participants' reactions to your comment might be, which makes reading the room more challenging. You also have to worry about your lighting, being centered in the camera, and remembering to look at the webcam rather than the screen when talking. Balenson even cites a study which found that we tend to speak 15% louder when video chatting than in normal life, too. Although, in the case of my 15-year-old, I swear it's more like 150% louder than 15%. Furthermore, we only see people from the shoulders up. So we miss all the normal hand gestures and body language that would typically help with communication. So, in many ways, we're basically having to work harder to stay engaged and connected and communicate effectively, on both the sending and receiving end. Another factor is self-evaluation. Bailinson notes that the default setting of most video chat software is for us to see ourselves as well as the other people in a chat, which he explains is a little like walking around all day with a mirror in our face, which apparently makes us more likely to engage in self-evaluation, adding even more stress to the experience. And then there are the physical constraints. In a video call, you have to maintain a certain distance from the screen, make sure you stay in the frame, And you may have headphones on, too, which can limit you even further, which all feels a bit more physically restrictive than a regular classroom setting or meeting, where you can lean back, turn around, and move around a bit more, without other people noticing quite so much. So, given all of this, is there anything we can do to reduce video chat fatigue? Balenson offers a couple suggestions. One is to turn off video. Regarding eye gaze and cognitive load, he suggests asking yourself if a video call is really necessary, and if a phone call might be even a little better. And also perhaps experimenting with audio-only meetings on occasion, so you're free to move around and not worry quite so much about all of the visual issues we just talked about. Indeed, I think this could work in certain contexts, and maybe this is partly why some folks naturally turn their video off. But, of course, there are other settings where this lack of video might cause even more stress and fatigue. In teaching contexts, for instance, at least for me, the visual feedback I get from students is super valuable and helps me know if I need to clarify something, slow down a bit, skip ahead to a different topic, try an activity, tell a story, etc. I taught a couple classes in which everyone's videos were turned off, and I have to say that I had a really tough time, as it kind of feels like you're just talking to yourself. The second tip is to hide your self-view i was pretty intrigued by this suggestion and i tried it out this past week i really liked it and found it much more freeing to just engage in the class and not think about myself my eye contact lighting or how i was appearing on camera i actually didn't even know this was a thing you could do but if you want to experiment with this in zoom if you click on the little three dots in the right top corner of your video there should be an option to hide self-view or to hide myself. It's a little bit different in speaker view versus gallery view, but it's possible in both and worth experimenting with. This would probably be a great hack to share with your students as well. And while I don't know if this would make them more likely to share their video in class, it can't hurt. And I think anything that can help all of us be a little less self-conscious in class or meetings is probably a good thing. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.